It's 11.46 on August 12th, 2015. And I just want to, I'm on the top of the mountain. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. It's going to be in the high of like 85 or something today. So it's a, it's a cool front for the next three days. It doesn't feel cool. I'm sweating like a pig, but that's because I'm running. I just ran up the hill, up the mountain. And I've been wanting to keep journaling about this darkness that I'm walking through. It, I can't explain um, any better what I'm feeling in this season of my life other than to explain darkness and oppression. Uh, those are the two words that I would have available to describe how I'm feeling. And it doesn't have anything to do with sin or nastiness or anything like that. Not at all. My heart is, is very pure. And as far as I know, my conscience is completely clean. You know, when you're being beaten up, kicked in the face, you have your eye cut out, your arm cut with a machete, your genitals cut off like that 13-year-old boy in Nigeria, there is absolutely no part of you that's going to feel like God is faithful in that moment. And yet he is. But the reality is, you will not feel any sense of God's faithfulness. You won't feel it when you're laying in the hospital, looking and nursing your wounds and looking at how badly destroyed you were. Only by God's grace can you begin to stand in faith. And that's kind of what I'm realizing is I feel like there's just been this, this darkness that like every day I keep waking up hoping... All right, am I going to wake up feeling better today? Am I going to wake up feeling, you know, faithish? Or am I going to wake up feeling dark and heavy and doubtful? Unfortunately, that's the way I've been waking up, and I've just been fighting it through Bible reading. I've been enjoying my Bible reading. Uh, this morning, I read into um, page 1177 in Jeremiah where it says, I've been coming to you again and again, and you have not listened to me. And that's on page 1177. Then I saw, I was pumping air in the tires in the car. I saw a truck phone number 1177 on it. And I thought, all right, Lord, well, I feel like I'm doing everything I can, but I'm going to keep focusing on trying to memorize your word. And and then I felt like the Lord showed me a bunch of numbers about, you know, keeping the faith and uh, uh, Romans 933 or 966. I don't remember which it is. I think it's 933 that, you know, I see I lay a stone in Zion and many men will stumble and fall over, but no one who trusts in him will be put to shame. You know, no one who trusts in him will be put to shame. And 1101, being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. And Psalm 23.3, I guide you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. You know, so I feel like that I'm trying. But it is amazing how long it's been since I have felt filled with faith. Like filled with joy and filled with a hope that yes, I'm going to have these answered prayers, I'm going to have my kids, I'm going to have Laura, I'm going to have finances, I'm going to have fruit in the ministry. There's going to be some awesome things that are going to happen. I'm going to be able to pay back the child support. And, and since none of it has happened, you know, and, and in combination with just all the time that's gone by, it's really making me feel dark, you know. And I, I just am fighting the good fight every day and I'm, I'm not looking at how I feel. And that's, I don't even know how to articulate it, but 
there's times when I wake up that my circumstances are still not any different than they are today, but yet I feel full of faith. I feel like, yes, God is still watching over me. Yes, God is still working on me, my behalf. And yes, these promises are true. And then there's this week and a half period I've had where it feels like the promises are flat. God has left the building. All it is is a grind of work to do. Uh, there's very little fruit in the ministry. The people I'm trying to help are struggling like terribly. Uh, It can be discouraging. I think of all the times Charles Spurgeon, you know, talked about feeling depression or David Brainerd who spent most of his life being melancholy. And I'm most of the time sanguine. You know, the sky is a deep blue, the grass is a rich green, and God is on His throne, everything is great, and God has given me that temperament. Most of the time I'm sanguine. But... I have been very melancholy the last, you know, I, again, a week and a half, two weeks, I'm not sure, and I know it. I've had days like this, and usually God's mercies are new every day. I go to bed, I get back up the next day, and I feel different, you know? And the, the thing that's amazing is, is that nothing has changed in my circumstances. Not really, it's just that nothing has changed in my circumstances. In other words, nothing's gotten worse. It's not like my circumstances have gotten worse or the pain's gotten any worse. Just the feeling of it, of waiting for it longer. And I feel that that this this must be what God is doing, humbling me even more, uh, breaking me even more of, of my need to feel good, and helping me to find a richer, deeper, stronger, more mature faith that is dependent upon nothing, that says that if no good thing happens to me from this day forward to the end of my life, I would still have a faith that says God is good, God will redeem, and the promises are available on the other side of this life. Perhaps the Lord is teaching me this. So I think that's what's going on. And at the same time, I do see Him encouraging me. And I have to decide, am I going to believe what I know God has said, or am I going to believe how I feel? I'm telling you, it's scary, scary, scary to think about how you feel and allow that to determine your faith. When your faith is being determined by your feelings, you're guaranteed to have shaky faith. And so, again, I still have faith. Although it doesn't feel like it, I'm still moving forward and I'm still doing whatever I can to keep myself encouraged. I'm in the Word every day. Lots of times I'm trying to obey the Father as best I can. And uh, But I think I'm not nearly as far along as I thought I was. I think that's one of the things that I'm learning more and more. It seems like the farther down the road I get, honest to goodness, it sounds so cliche, but the more I realize how far I have to still to go. And that sounds like, you know, you're trying to be humble. It sounds real cliche. And people all want to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. No, but there's something very real to it. There's something very real to that feeling that I am not as far along as I think I am, that I have more maturing to do. Granted, that should be the case, I'm told, until I leave this earth. But anyhow, I know I'm growing and I'm thankful for that. And and then the final point is that by remembering what God has done, it has helped me to stand firm right now and and to, to, to get me through these days where I don't have it in me to feel excited that these things are going to happen. And so I'm just literally clinging to faith. I still believe, yes, God is going to do these things. I don't feel like it, though. There's a big difference. It's 9.57 in the morning on August 13th, 2015, and the darkness in my soul has lifted this morning. It's incredible. I wanted to capture what has happened. 
Um, there's a there's a light this morning that I have that I have not had in at least a week and a half to two weeks. And a few days ago, I had made a message where I realized I was being pruned, and that God was allowing this to happen for a reason to prune me. Well, I've been passing this letter from World Changers, David Wilkerson's church, the former David Wilkerson. I moved it from my living room to my bedroom. I looked at it for a day and a half sitting on my dresser this morning. And for the last 24 hours, every time I've walked by it, I've noticed it. Like, I know I'm supposed to read that. Last night, I was going to take it and read it. This morning, I opened it and read it. And there was this wonderful article about how many times our trials are not from the devil and they're not from the flesh. They are directly from God for the purposes of refining us and humbling us and purifying us. And of course, this is a very well-known principle, but it was exceptionally encouraging to me because I had just made the recording about God pruning me and then the article was about God pruning to cut back all those things in you that are in his way. So I began to read the article and I began to just be encouraged. I felt very encouraged as I read it. Like God was speaking to me the meaning of what he was doing. And he's been speaking to me every day. But still I've had this this discouragement. Uh and at the same time, I knew that this discouragement was good. And there's a part of you that is so afraid of, oh, I don't want to be double-minded. Oh, I don't want to lack faith. Oh, I don't want to be grumbling. And I wasn't doing any of those things. And, you, and you, my biggest fear was, oh, I don't want to move into doubt. But it wasn't that. It was I had lost all of my feel-good of faith. And I was just enduring and this was this darkness was doing a work in my heart. It was humbling me even more. So this morning I'm prompted to read because I had a conversation with a man last night, Ed Logue, one of my best friends, uh, new boyfriend, Carol Ann Dykes' boyfriend, he's in town. And he was beginning to open up about where he's at in his walk and how he perceives it's been a lot of him and not a lot of Christ. And that he uh, basically desires more humility. And um, I had been talking to him about dependence on God and so forth and so on. So this morning, I decided to get out the humility book again and start reading. And it was like God just used this book again to so encourage my soul and confirm for me that this is what he's doing, is he's answering my prayers for more humility. And humility... Is something that I, I've I've got on my knees this morning and with tears running down my face, I just begged the Father. Above all things, I said, Lord, more than I want Laura, more than I want my children, more than I want ministry, more than I want finances to take care of things, God, I want humility. I want to have this daily humility. And so I've asked the Father this morning to please bless me with humility on a daily basis for the rest of my life. To give me a victorious humility where I can empty myself of all self-consciousness. Uh, where I can, for example, last night I pulled up in front of this downtown restaurant and my brakes squeaked a little bit because my brakes are squeaky. And I remember feeling just a tinge of embarrassment about that because there was all these people sitting out, you know, 
professionals and all that sitting out eating, and here I'm pulling up with the squeaky brakes, and I felt just a tinge of of embarrassment about that. And so then this morning I say, Lord, I, I don't even want to have the capacity to feel embarrassed about that. And you know, perhaps even as I say this, that embarrassment is something good that keeps you humble. You know, but I don't want to ever worry so much about what I look like in other people's eyes. I want to be emptied of myself. I want to be not self-conscious in any of these things. And um, really just position myself to be filled with my own weakness so that I might be filled with the strength of Christ. And I want to do everything when He says, how He says, and only if He says. That's the place that I want to get to. When he says, how he says, and only if he says. And um, I just have, I had this desire fervently to pray for this this morning. And I'm so thankful because there is a joy that comes with humility that I've never experienced with anything. And I want more of this. I want to be able to every day, I don't want to just say it in this moment. I don't want to just feel it now. I want to be able to walk in this every day that God would be glorified. And I think what a miracle it is What a mighty work of God, even for a man to be able to desire that. I think about what a miracle it is that I even desire to have this humility. And uh, I feel it. I feel it settling into my soul. I, 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 I become so aware in these moments of how important it is to be willing to wait upon the Lord. And when He tells you not to move forward, even though everything in you instinctively says that can't be right, I must move forward, the, the reason is, is that God knows there are things in you that still need to be dealt with. Things that are dangerous that make you vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy, that make you vulnerable to pride, which could very likely end you cut off and in hell. I mean, I've never seen it like this before, but I read these words in the very back of his book. The truth is this, pride must die in you, or nothing of heaven can live in you. Under the banner of the truth... Give yourself up to the meek and humble spirit of the Holy Jesus. Humility must sow the seed or there can be no reaping in heaven. Do not look at pride as only an unbecoming temper or at humility as only a decent virtue. The one is death and the other is life. The one is hell. The other is all heaven. I mean... That is a sense of urgency to desire humility that I had never really thought about. And I've mentioned it, but I don't think that I've understood it in the way I'm understanding it now. And I've just known that over a long period of time now, for months and months, and actually a couple of years, I've been desiring more humility. But in the last few months, I've been desiring more. And what is amazingly striking to me, if I can say this, what is so striking to me, which what is so unbelievably, I have to say, astonishing to me about this 
is how if you rewind the clock, perhaps 90 days, perhaps 6 months, perhaps 30 days, there is such a lack in me to see truthfully and colorfully and accurately just how much I still need to grow. I think that because I have dedicated myself to reading God's Word, and I think because I've enjoyed such sweet fellowship with Him, and that because He has been so active in my life, speaking to me on a daily basis, I think perhaps that there has been a subconscious message that has resulted which says, Michael, you're pretty far along down the road for God to be dealing with you like this. I think that maybe there's a part of me that has thought that because God is speaking to me like this, and because God is using me like this, that I must be farther along down the road than maybe I think I am. And the reality is what I'm learning is, I have so much more to learn and to grow that it is shocking. And I think perhaps the Lord hides some of that from you, maybe, so that you don't live with a sense of daily discouragement and frustration that you'll never get there. So, for example, even a person who's able to feel discouraged and disappointed about, oh, I'm struggling in this one area, the truth is that person really, based upon the experience I'm having, I'm speaking this for myself, I can look back, let's say, two or three years ago, let's just say three years ago when I was already breaking out of this lethargic Christianity I've been living in and really starting to experience God and obey Him, there's this tendency to elevate yourself. There's this, this, this sense of, wow, okay, I've really broken out. I'm really something. I'm experiencing God. And it's, it's instantly interpreted by the sin nature uh, into a message of pride where you begin to exalt yourself, even if at a subconscious level. Consciously, you would know not to do this, but subconsciously it gets in you and it feeds this viper of pride in you to grow into this poisonous snake. And yet, you may be struggling with something in that point in time and, and beginning to gain victory over it. It could be a particular sin, it could be a particular thought or an attitude, and you may be thinking, wow, if I just get through that, well, then I'm really getting somewhere. You really would, at that point, have no idea, again, speaking with myself as an example, I could not even remotely comprehend. Three years ago, thinking I was very far along, could not comprehend how unbelievably short I was falling and how much I needed to grow. And now I'm able to know that these very words I'm speaking now are true of me even now. That even in this moment where I'm finding these hidden levels of desire for humility, something that, that, that not a lot of people desire, think about, or even have the capacity to want, I now know that again, this is just the tip of an iceberg, that there will be much greater levels for me to grow. There is so much growth required in the Christian life, it's astonishing that anybody can ever even be, be a Christian. I told this man last night, Living as a Christian is the most difficult journey in the entire world. The, 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 the dying to self that is required 
the living in faith, not by sight, the obedience and the being tempted to the point of suffering is very, very difficult. And yet, the reason they are difficult is not because being a Christ follower or Christ is difficult. It is because the flesh rails against someone becoming like Christ. That's what makes it so difficult is the death process to self that is required in order to move from living in the flesh to living in the spirit. And that is this constant battle. It is the it is it is what makes it difficult and what makes it a war is the strong desires of self. If the strong desires of self were not there, being a Christ follower would be much easier. And it must please the Father very much to allow there to be a struggle, and that this struggling is one of the things that sifts out those who have authentic faith and who will truly love Him. I mean, imagine a person who has to climb 500 stairs has one level of love and devotion and dedication to get to Christ. Another person who has to climb 50,000 stairs and still is willing to push through the acid buildup, the pain, the singeing fire in their legs, the sweating, the exhaustion, and to continue to persevere to get up those 50,000 steps, it would be very easy to conclude that Christ would see that the person who's climbed the 50,000 stairs has a greater sense of dedication, a greater sense of love, a greater sense of loyalty to Him than the person who only climbed 500 stairs. It doesn't mean that that person is better, but it brings the Father more pleasure. And we know this because we can use this same principle when Jesus Christ tells Simon the Pharisee, Simon, a certain moneylender was owed money by two servants. One owed him 50 denarii, another owed him 500. Neither of them could afford to pay them back. The servant or the, the, the master canceled both of their debts. Which one of them loved him most? So here it is. It's this principle that God allows the Christian walk to be excruciatingly difficult, that he allows the flesh. We obviously um, are the ones that brought about this, this disease. Now, not us directly, our ancestor, Adam and Eve, but that's the way God has ordained it. So we come into this world with this flesh that's hell-bent and self-focused at any cost to fulfill its own goals, dreams, desires, and comforts and pleasures. And then Christ says, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, if you want to be a son in my father's house, if you want to have eternal life, you must walk away from this flesh. You must deny yourself. You must humble yourself before me to receive through faith forgiveness of your sins and all of the damage caused by your sin nature. And then you must learn to put to death everything that is in you that so naturally screams out, me, mine, now, and live according to my spirit, which is giving yourself up, denying yourself, becoming a servant, humbling yourself, and being obedient even to the point of death. And nobody wants to do that when you process that idea through the flesh. 
but by the Spirit we're able to have that desire. So what I'm seeing is that God is pleased with this struggle. God is deeply pleased to see His children struggle. I mean, the Bible even teaches this, that if a man suffers for doing wrong, this is not commendable before God, but if a man suffers unjust suffering because he is mindful of God, this is commendable before God. This is living as a sacrifice, Romans 12.2, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, so when we deny ourselves, even in a moment of holding back a word, of not defending ourselves, of denying ourselves a temporary sin pleasure, of giving up something of cost to serve somebody else, when we deny ourselves in any way, conscious of the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, Buddhists deny themselves every day, but they're not doing this out of their love and devotion for Christ, they're doing it out of hedonism. They want to find happiness and pleasure, and they've discovered that the way to find ultimate bliss is to deny oneself of all desires. And so, when we do this as Christ followers, the Father receives pleasure. When I deny myself and say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to move forward in ministry. I'm going to deny myself the gratification of serving that person, which will bring me joy and you glory. But because you've asked... I'm going to deny myself of this, and I'm not going to do any video messages right now. I'm going to sit and do this, what I feel is a very mundane, unproductive, hidden work, memorizing scripture. I'm now seeing how much pleasure it brings the Father for me to do this secret work, which is driven by my need to deny myself. God is deriving more pleasure, apparently from my denying of myself, even that which is a God task and would be a good thing to do for His kingdom, but my denial of the satisfaction I would derive from that, my denial of my own will, apparently brings God even greater pleasure than if I were to do a good work for Him. Many people are doing good, godly works for Him, completely isolated and independent of His will. And so they've not chosen to deny themselves first. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So the first thing that Christ demands of us is not, if anyone comes after me, he must create various righteous good deeds and projects to go out and do in my name. That he must start a Christian ministry. That he must go and do this and he must go and do this. No, the first requirement of being a disciple of Christ, if anyone would come after me, what's the first instruction? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I think about how easy it must be for us to put a God or a Christian label on a certain work or a goal or a dream or an aspiration or a motivation we have and immediately justify in our minds because it is, quote, a work of God for God, therefore I can justify it. There's no need to deny myself in that. 
What a revelation to understand that we need to even deny ourselves in the ministry works that God calls us to do and not do them if God doesn't call us to do them. I think this is probably one of the more difficult lessons for me to to, to learn. I, I would say it was a long time for me to learn the lesson of denying myself and not defending myself with my ex-wife. That was a long lesson. It took me a long time to 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 learn perfection in that area. To learn to every time go and get on my face before the Father and give Him the hurt and the pain rather than to defend myself. But I'm now seeing an equally long thing I'm learning is this denying myself of doing even good works for God. And what I'm trying to now learn, this is the I think the final point I want to make, is to be consciously aware that when I'm doing that, it is not just me being miserable. The point of it is not just for me to be miserable and to suffer. But I think I have forgotten the fact that when I deny myself, my suffering brings pleasure to God if my obedience for suffering and my motivation for suffering is to become more like Christ and to honor Him and glorify Him. If I'm doing it to try to earn His favor, then I've already been zapped out. Obviously, you are gaining His favor by obeying Him, but if I were simply doing that to try to gain my salvation or try to gain favor different. No, but if I'm doing it because it pleases Him, because I already have His favor, I am His Son, my sins have been forgiven, I am marked for eternal life by the Holy Spirit. So now when I deny myself, it is not simply a matter of bringing anguish and pain and affliction to me, but it is a matter of bringing pleasure to God because it is essentially sending a message to heaven. I'm more interested in serving the King than I am myself, and I'm willing to do so at the expense of my comfort, of my fulfillment, and of my happiness. I think the Father is helping me to see that, and I think He's given me light on this after praying for the last several days. I'm seeing there is a an entirely deeper level of humility that I am desiring most. It's like a it's like a it's like a secret. It's like a mystery. It's hidden. It's like hidden treasure. And I want it. And by God's grace, I'll have it. Hey, I want to share something with you this morning that the Lord really inspired me with. And um, this applies to you as well. But this morning I was sitting before the Bible and I began to think about a lot of these people that I've been counseling and watching struggle and I realize the Lord is allowing me to see this for a reason. It's also part of my training that, that, that all of a sudden the Lord has allowed everything I've been working on to basically fall apart. I mean, think about it. Every person that I've been pouring into, Natalie, by the wayside, Austin, Hosanna, Lori, um, every person I've been trying to help, they're falling flat. And the, 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 you know, the people that I've spent a lot of time with. And, um, you know, you think about all the guys in the Bible study and stuff. So I have actually seen reality. I have seen very little fruit. Jennifer, uh, any of these people, like when I tried to help Terry, when I tried to help Tanya, 
and I tried to help David. And I have, I'm a, I'm a complete spiritual failure. Uh, honest to goodness, there's been some people that have been encouraged here from time to time. But when I look at the real results that I am a failure, I would, would not make the team. And God is allowing me to see this for a reason because it is absolutely terribly easy to depend upon your own strength. It's like God just gave me this huge eye-opening understanding this morning of in everything by prayer. And so I found myself getting exhausted. I think about that young lady at Starbucks. I mean, God had literally everything I've touched has failed in the last couple of weeks. It's happening for a reason. He's allowed everything I'm trying to do I have one person, you know, that I've helped recently that's doing really, really well that I can think about. And by, the, by far, the majority of the people have, are just going on about their business and they're in Satan's hands and they're, they're living lies. And so, as a servant of God, again, I'm failing. And so, the Lord is showing me I was getting tired I was starting to get tired and I, I grew weary and I began to come. I tried to try even harder and speak even more fervently to people. And, and I began to, to put more strength and I began to get weary. I, I literally began to say almost like I quit, God. I'm, I can't do this. I can't help anybody. They're not listening. I quit. And I felt feelings like that for a, a day or so where I was so upset that my being upset at one particular person or two's sin overflowed into recordings I was making for other people that were caught into sin. And I just, I had that terrible week, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Then there's been this period of about a week and a half of darkness, right? Where just darkness. And it was God humbling me. And this morning, God put the cherry on the top of the lesson. And He reminded me, in prayer, in everything by prayer, in everything by prayer, in everything by prayer. And all of a sudden, I was filled with faith, again, for this lady, Laurie. And I thought, look, here I am. I'm giving up on her. I'm giving up on Austin and Hosanna. I'm just giving up on people because I've tried in my own strength to articulate God's word as best as I can. And it fails. God humbling me, showing me, Michael... You don't have anything, anything in you, son. Not even your ability to remember the word or articulate the word or speak the word or proclaim the word. None of that will result in anything unless you depend upon me by prayer. Now, I've been doing that to a certain degree, but this morning God kicked it up a notch and helped me to see real humility is depending upon God through prayer. Behind the scenes, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And I was able to look at the Lord and say, Father, I am a righteous man. My heart does not condemn me, as it says in the Word. And so I know that I have confidence before God. This is what the Bible says. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we know we have whatever we ask of Him because we've obeyed His commands. And that's what Michael Criswell's doing. 
So the confidence that I have is through prayer, not through my ability to do this, that, and the other. And God was basically been teaching me how helpless I am. So the main point of this is I got up filled with faith. It was like filled with faith to defeat Satan because that's what's happening in all these people's lives. They're in bondage to Satan. Every one of them. And me pressing harder with the crayon of God's word is not working. We fight a war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. And we have spiritual weapons that are able to pull down strongholds. Those are faith and prayer and God's word. And I began to all of a sudden, it's like God just flooded my mind with all the scriptures that Paul talks about. But I am praying that God makes a way. Pray for all the saints at all times and in all things. Pray that I may speak boldly and fearlessly. Pray that the Lord will make a way open. And I began to see literally the man who writes the words in everything by prayer is doing everything by prayer. He's not running around zapping people. He is proclaiming the truth as best he can when he can. But ultimately, it's this balance between the sword of the Spirit and prayer. Total prayer. Based in in everything. And it's like it just hit me this morning. Everything that we have to face has to be done through prayer. Every challenge, every chain that Satan has wrapped around on those uh, around us. We win victory and we defeat and we bind the works of Satan in their life. Not by speaking out, Jesus or, or Satan, I bind you. No, by asking God to set them free. By asking God to overcome the darkness, to overcome Satan's powers, to break the chains, to dispel the darkness with light, to replace the lies with the truth, to walk them out of darkness and into the light, to set their hearts free. We pray, uh, we pray the goodness of God, the truth of God, the ways of God, the principles of God, the word of God, and we fight for them through prayer. And so this may sound, well, this is pretty obvious, Michael. Yeah, big, no, it hit me in a way this morning in faith that I've never had before. It's like God just opened my eyes to see, you know, sometimes we pray and we get in the habit of it and we think, okay, cool, I prayed. We sent some noise off in the air, not realizing that heaven is either literally acting on your behalf as you pray or nothing's happening. And if heaven is acting, that isn't some callous, routine, habitual thing we should do. We have to, oh, God is acting right now. Now listen to some of these scriptures. And then I'll be, hu- I'll be hushed. I started writing Defeating Satan and Getting, through, getting Victory Through Prayer. And I've only just begun uh, to put a couple of scriptures. Nehemiah 4.9, But we prayed to our God and posted a guard night and day to meet this threat. We prayed to our God. Matthew 18, Again I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for, by my Father in heaven. Not if two or more of you quote scripture. You see what God is showing me? If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done. Even if you could quote scripture at things, there will be that tendency for you to say, Aha, look what I did. Even if I memorized the whole Bible word for word, you know how quick it would be for me to say, I have, I am the living Bible man. Hear me roar. Ridiculous. And, and you could quickly depend upon yourself. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what 
has been done to this fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. John 14, 13 through 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I will do whatever you ask in my name, not whatever you quote in Scripture, not whatever you study, not what, it's whatever you ask in my name. John 16, 23 through 24, in that day you'll no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. 1 John three twenty one through 22 Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. 1 John five fourteen through 15 This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we ask of Him. Mark 9, 28 through 29, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples came and asked him privately, why couldn't we drive this demon out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. I just want to challenge you and my stepfather, if you both get a chance to listen to this, to please, let's continue to take seriously the most important activity of our day is prayer because that's how we humbly depend upon God and get him to act on our behalf. I was refilled with faith And I am expecting that in God's timing, I'm going to hear some amazing testimonies from some of these people I've just named earlier that I have failed because I am now committed to praying for them harder and more fervently and in more faith than ever before. And um, Lori had actually sent me a text while I was praying for her saying, please pray for me to have a full-time job. And I was able to text her back and say, guess what? I have already been filled with faith by the Holy Spirit to pray for you this morning and believe that uh, Satan is going to be, his bondage will be ended in your life. So think about that. I've prayed for Glenda this morning too. And mom, I prayed for you. So let's do everything by prayer. And when we ask, let's make sure our hearts don't condemn us. That's why we can't be name calling and getting angry and unforgiving people and serving money, not God, so forth and so on. Because if we do, it violates our conscience. We are, our hearts condemn us. Exactly what we talked about last night at the Bible study. And if our hearts condemn us, we're just talking hot air. God is not going to answer our prayer. So anyhow, I just want to share this with you. Big deal. And the final uh, benefit is not only do uh, the people... Will God work on their behalf? But it's not wearing me out to pray. Whereas for me to constantly fight the battle and deal with this and do this and try to handle all these different people, that could wear me out because I'm trying in my own strength. God has taught me something brilliant this morning about the need to depend upon Him by His strength, not by strength, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So hopefully that uh, encouraged you. Love you guys. Bye-bye. It's 9-12 on August 15th, 2015, and I'm just beginning a workout, and I had this thought as I'm listening to a Zach Poonin message called Walking Humbly Before God, and I uh, wanted to capture this lesson. There was a, a test, I believe, that I passed with God's help the other night at our Bible study. Um, it's pretty weird. My mom has been doing this thing where she's quoting me, 
she'll say in a conversation, you know, I heard somewhere the other day about, you know, this, that, and the other in the Bible, and she'll she'll share a lesson, and I'll, I'll have to remind her, yeah, Mom, that was actually from my recording that you listened to. And then she'll start cracking up, and this has been happening more and more, and of course there's that that desire in you that wants to say, oh, oh, that was me, that was me that said that, you know, so you can get credit for it. And God is showing me how even the need to say that, to remind a person where that word came from, is a desire to gain glory and honor for oneself. So there's that, this is a fine-tuning, and I've been noticing it, I've been aware of it. Then the other night at the Bible study, um, my friend Bobby Junkin was sharing uh, this idea of uh, flailing on the cross and resisting dying to oneself and, and fighting the cross. And, of course, he's, he's reciting um, the, 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 the message that I had done. I did a message called uh, Don't Fight Your Cross. And he shares that, and my mom goes, Oh, wow, oh, wow, that's, man, that's a good word. That's deep. And I resisted the temptation to remind my mom, yeah, mom, that's the video that I did. I resisted. And I feel like that was a, a test. And I completely forgot about it until just now. I was reminded of it as I'm watching this walking humbly before God. And so, again, this is another illustration of what it means to become nothing. And I've been asking the Lord, Father, I want to become nothing. And so maybe the Lord uses these kind of little things as a test to see, do you really want to be nothing or do you still want to be known? And it reminds me of when Paul says, don't go beyond what is written. For what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you act as though you didn't? Meaning, everything you have that's of any good comes from God. But when you set yourself up as if you are the author and you are the originator of this idea, it's an attempt to gain glory for yourself. John seven eighteen. the one who speaks for the one who sent him is a man of honor. Uh, but the one who speaks... Uh, rather, the one who speaks on behalf of the one who the one who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. The one who speaks on behalf of the one who sent him is a man of honor. There's nothing false in him. John seven eighteen, and so this is a really interesting. This is kind of a new test to see if I can, when somebody else is getting credit for something I said, and that's a test. I've read about it in. You know, a few books, you know, are you willing to allow somebody else to have credit for something you did? And so I'm seeing how, and it's amazing, I'm seeing how God is testing me in this. This is fine tuning. And there is that temptation. There is that temptation. So it's not like I think you ever get to this place where you don't have any desire ever again. I mean, maybe you do. I mean, there are days when I can say, I've had no... um, I've gone weeks or months without any sexual desire or sexual temptations or anything like that. So maybe it is possible. But, but again, it, then it, it will come back sometimes and then you have to resist the temptation. So I'm thinking that maybe this is a temptation that never goes away either. And it is a temptation to see if you will walk according to the flesh, gaining glory for yourself, reminding the people, oh yeah, that's what I taught. Because, you know, you want to be honored. You want to be known as a, a man or a woman of God. So anyhow, this was a, a wonderful, wonderful lesson for me to realize. And with God's help, I will continue to learn to deny myself in that. And now that I'm conscious of this, this wasn't even something I was really conscious of. I was conscious that I was aware that somebody would say something that I said before and not 
you know, accredited to me, but I was not consciously aware of what that was meaning to me and of the desire to still say, hey, 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 actually, I'm the one that said that. And isn't that just like self? And so, with, again, with God's help, and I'm going to prayerfully continue to ask the Lord to help me. Um, one other point I wanted to make is in uh, Luke 18, uh, Jesus teaches this principle of, you know, when you uh, go to a wedding to take the place of least honor. And I started thinking to myself, this is a principle that could apply not just when you go to a wedding or a feast or a banquet, but this principle can apply to almost everything that we do. Any Bible studies we go to, um, any uh, activities we participate in, uh, any uh, projects, any relationships or what have you, activities, even going and sitting and having coffee with somebody, you can bring this principle into place where you are humbling yourself as if to take the lowest position in every interaction you have with another human being. This is a new goal that I have felt the Holy Spirit uh, give me and make me aware of. In every conversation, how can I take the position of lowest honor? How can I um, be lowly in spirit? And because of my passion, sometimes I can seem to be a man of not lowly spirit because I can be very passionate for the truth. As has been Paul, as has been Peter, as has been Jesus, as has been many a man of God. But before men and before God, I want to be lowly. So I'm still having the Lord help me understand what it means and how to walk the balance between being heavily convicted, standing for His truth, and then always having this position of, of lowliness before men. And so now I'm I'm looking for opportunities to train myself in this to where uh, you know, I remember one night at uh, parents had a, a dinner with a bunch of people and I sat very quietly. I went out of my way to to not um, bring attention to myself with the witty jokes. Everybody likes to draw attention with the witty joke or the great story. And I went out of my way to be lowly and to, to basically disappear. It was a good opportunity for training myself in that way. And... Um, just being lowly. And then the final other thought that's come to me recently about humility is that when you think about how a poor beggar treats you, this is a, something I read, I believe, in one of Zach Poonin's books. And he was talking about how when you encounter a poor beggar, they are kind, they are lowly in spirit, they are gentle, they are humble. And he says, if we truly realize that we are these poor beggars before God, how will that cause us to act before Him and to act before others if we see everybody else as better than ourselves? I think this is some of that fine-tuning that God is doing to help me to see uh, the need to do this, the conscious awareness of whether I'm doing it or not, and then, of course, receiving God's grace to be able to do it. But I'm very, very excited. I've, I have been having this desire for humility so much. And this is very, very exciting to me because this is real progress. This is real, real spiritual growth. And God has given me a real desire to do this. 
a real desire. This isn't something I'm wanting to do externally to be a Pharisee or a rule follower. This is a desire that he's given me inside to be lowly. And now it's just a matter of learning how practically to train myself that way. Second Timothy 4, 7, train yourself to be godly. I, I'm sorry. Actually, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, 7. I'm meaning, yeah, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 7, as I have fought the fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. But anyhow, um, so yeah, really, really good lessons and exciting stuff on humility. I think this is the longest passage I've ever memorized. Matthew 10, 22-31 All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a student to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Praise God. Today is the 17th of August, 2015. It's 11.22 a.m. And this is just a recording about my sinuses. I, um... I've been struggling a lot. I've yesterday and today have been terrible. I'm having those feelings again where like right now my my uh I have bags under my eyes. I can't concentrate. I feel like if I close my eyes I could fall over. Um you know, pressure in my head, sinuses can't breathe out of my left nostril and uh, just weak in my body. It feels um, like an overcast, cloudy, gray fog in your head. I don't know how else to describe it. You're just you're kind of like just woo, like stars, or you know, like you would see a scene in a movie where somebody hits their head. And I've lived like this now for so long. And I've recently remembered hearing a person say to me. Yeah, but Mike, you still have your health. And they were trying to suggest that maybe I didn't have it as bad as them and their situation was worse. And they said, well, yeah, but you still have your health. And I thought, I, I realized I've gotten so used to living like this. Uh, this affects the quality of my life so much. There's been times when I've I've wanted to just die. I'm like, Lord, this isn't even worth living life. I feel so bad that I've ever even said that, that I've grumbled against the Lord that way. I don't feel that way at all anymore. Um but it it affects the quality of my life. I, I, I don't think I could even keep a job. Honest to goodness, I know my mom has said this before. Like, I think I would have to go on disability. Uh, this gets so bad. Like, I, 
unless I was just a a floor sweeper and they were okay with me working at such a slow pace. But like right now, everything in me wants to work so bad and my body is saying, just lay down, close your eyes, go to sleep until this feeling passes. It's horrible. You know, it's absolutely horrible. I've taken an allergy pill yesterday and today. I have not been taking the nose spray. I've been trying to get off of drugs. I hate having to take the allergy pill and the nose spray and all that. And and then this morning I, I heard a message from Zach. He talked about the thorn in the flesh of Paul and how he really believes it was a physical illness that would not go away. Um, and that it was to keep Paul weak humble and from being conceited because of, of course, all the revelations that Paul was given. He himself said this, but um, I feel like that's the same way with me, that this won't go away. Uh, This is something I have to ask the Lord for grace. I've been asking him all morning for the grace between this and my shoulders and hemorrhoids and stuff. I have my fair share of uh, ailments that try to derail me from being able to do the work. I mean, there's one could look at it and say, wow, these are all things that make it hard. It's hard for me to sit because if I sit too long, I've had issues um, about every couple of weeks with, I would say every several weeks, I'll maybe have the pressure of a hemorrhoid or something inside. Not terrible, but just uncomfortable and I can't sit for long periods of time. And then, of course, my shoulders just are eat up with knots and my back and I'm in constant pain from that. And I don't ever complain or grumble about these things. The point of making this message would be to encourage my children or whoever ends up listening to these recordings one day to know that I have to go through these things and they're not an excuse to stop. I just trust that the Lord knows that I have them and that He will give me grace to keep going. Last night I took some ibuprofen and then the blurriness, I had some coffee I think. Maybe not. Maybe it was just I took three ibuprofen before I went to my parents' house. And the the left eye began to, the, the vision came back to where I was no longer seeing blurry. So whatever it is that happens in my sinuses, they get so irritated and swollen, I think, that they somehow or another, they must put pressure. Like I feel pressure up underneath my left eye. They put pressure on my brain, on my uh, eyeballs, and that must be what's causing the blurriness in my left eye. Sometimes it's in both eyes. Like in the winter time when my sinuses will be agitated, there'll be sometimes days or weeks where my eyes are blurred. Uh, This past winter, I thought, my gosh, am I going to have to get glasses? You know, is my eyes going bad? And then of course, when the sinuses clear up, my eyes come back fine. I mean, it's just, I've been seeing this now for a couple of years. It's consistent and whatever it is, it's always my sinuses. I can't breathe hardly through my nose, and it would be a labor, you know, to get air through my nose right now. So, anyhow, I'm pressing on with God's help and His grace, and I think I'm going to go. It's it's the weirdest thing. It's like it almost feels like you're exhausted, but you're not exhausted. I don't even know how to explain it. There's that part of you that can close your eyes, but as soon as you do, you realize you're not tired. Your body is just fighting you somehow. If I could figure out how to stop my body from feeling this way, oh, 
But I look forward to my resurrected body even more. So I'm not going to complain or grumble. I'm just going to... My prayer today was, Lord, give me the grace that I can get through this. That and a good cup of hot coffee may help me get some sinuses moving here.